0: Happy birthday, Ben. Okay, good evening, everybody. It is, it is great to see you. I'm so thankful for this, uh, this virtual reunion. And uh, I hope that everyone had uh, some, some blessings and sweet parts of their, of their break. And uh, I know that if you're like me, you're, you're even feeling as we get back to, to it how much we would want to be together, and we can't do it yet, but uh, I want to remind you uh, that when two or more are gathered in God's name, He is there among them, and we are gathered in spirit. And so God is among us, and I'm really grateful for that. So I'm, I'm, glad, to, I'm glad to see you. We're going to start a new, a new series for RUF, uh, going through the parables of Jesus. And we've been looking through var- various parables throughout, throughout the Gospels. And if, if, you're, uh, if you're not a Christian or you're not familiar with the New Testament, parables are stories. They're, they're stories... That Jesus tells, and and there's all different kinds of um, stories that Jesus tells, but the ones that we're going to focus on are the stories that Jesus tells, the parables that Jesus tells to talk about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, depending on uh, different occasions in the Gospels and what words he uses. We're going to talk about the kingdom, and and Jesus tells stories, and and I think we have to start with this idea of kind of what is the the kingdom of, of God, what is the kingdom of heaven, uh, and put simply, the kingdom of God is not a physical location, but the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of the King, Jesus, who rules all things with love and with truth and with mercy and with justice and perfect peace. And so as we talk about the kingdom of God, what we're talking about is that reign of Jesus expanding in our own hearts and our community and the world around us. That's what the growth of the kingdom of God is. That's why Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, I am the king and I am coming to make my ways known. I'm making love and truth and mercy and justice flow. He's come as the one true king. So to be in the kingdom, it means, it means submitting ourselves to Jesus as king. That's what it means to be in the kingdom. Okay, so why are we doing that this semester? Why, why parables? Um, why these stories? Jesus is the best storyteller who's ever lived. And this is really beautiful for us because we are people of story. We're storied people. In fact, we define ourselves by what stories we tell, by what stories, what narratives that we are a part of. And, and if, you are, uh, if you're like me, then the, the sort of toll that the last year has had on us is a little hard to calculate. But uh, we, we have stories that are in disarray, right? That we all experience, we, we do this all the time, but certainly the past year, we, we experienced that our stories ha- have included probably more than usual of things like pain and disappointment, things like anxiety and sadness, things like loneliness and exhaustion. Of course, our stories have also included things like friendship and laughter and adventure and fun and goodness, right? But our stories are in disarray, and we need something to help us make sense of our stories, and so as Jesus tells the story of the kingdom, what we're going to see is that, is that the story that's going to help us make sense of our own story? And so that's really what I hope will happen, is that our stories will start to be seen by us more and more in light of his great story of love, which is the coming of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say one more thing before we begin as a little bit of a disclaimer, but I'll, I'll tell it by telling a story, okay? You with me? Uh, over the break, I... I decided that I would have a little daddy-daughter time, and so I took my—I have, have four daughters, if you know—if you know my family—and uh, we went and we got a—we uh, got a cabin outside of Lynchburg, and it's kind of on this sort of like a retreat center. So there's lots of different cabins that's on a property, but we had our own our own building, and I convinced uh, my friend Robert to bring his two kids. So we, both of us, our family, we said we said goodbye to mom, we left them at home, and then me and Robert and this six children, my four and his two, went to this cabin, and um, I just. I just had this idea of what this weekend was going to be like. I was going to be, you know, kind of dad of the year and um, have this great time. And I'd done my research. It's kind of a rustic cabin and there's no TV. And I was like, well, we're probably going to want to watch a movie or something. So I'll bring, I'll bring a TV and I'll bring a DVD player and we'll go. So we, we make it to the cabin. It's about an hour away from here and we're, we, we find a playground down on the property and we play on the playground and then we find this other park a little ways away that's got a sand volleyball court and we play in the sand and then we get back up and we decide, you know what, uh, it's time to watch a movie. And, it, and it's about this time that my, that my third child, Caroline, comes to me weeping because her stuffed puppy is missing. And, and it would be hard for me to communicate to you. Uh, what this means it's the thing she loves most in the whole wide world it would be like you discovering that your home is gone okay and and caroline's puppy is missing and she's weeping and so i i search the i search the entire house i I search every single bedroom underneath the beds i search in every drawer i search in every cabinet i search in every suitcase i search behind every toilet in every bathroom i look in the refrigerator i look in the freezer i cannot find this puppy And so I'm like, I mean, we were we were walking around. I go, I drive to the playground. I look for the puppy. I go to the sand volleyball court. I look, no, no puppy. And as I'm searching, my my blood pressure is rising, starting to get frustrated, starting to panic, starting to wonder how this is going to go down. I I can't find puppy. and I think, you know what? I I couldn't find puppy. I'll I'll look again tomorrow. You know what? You know what would make you happy, Caroline? Let's put on Frozen Two. And so I uh, I set up the TV and I plug in the DVD player and I brought a a cable cord, like a actual cord for cable TV and the DVD player I brought doesn't have a cable input. And so I'm missing the HDMI cord. We can't watch Frozen 2. I'm thinking like, what what a failure. I'll, I'll, last resort, I'll call the office and see if they have an HDMI cable. They have one, they bring it up to us, we plug it in, Frozen 2 comes up, the little menu, you know, scene selection, play, movie. And I go to find the remote to press play. I can't find the remote. And I'm like, Okay, it's a little annoying to have to go press play on the DVD player every time, but I'll go up there. But the DVD player we have, it has a power button. It has an eject button. No play button. There's literally no way to play, which means there's literally no movie. So I've got no puppy, and I've got no movie, and I've got angry, sad children, and I, and I finally get them to bed. My daughter Caroline I took forever to get her to sleep. She had no Anna no and Elsa and Olaf and Sven, and no Kristoff. She has no puppy dog. She's really mad at me. The next day we decide... Um, you know, I'm gonna redeem this, I'm gonna search for this remote. So I searched the entire cabin. Again, this is the second time. I searched under every bed, I searched in every drawer. I, I cannot find this thing anywhere. So we decided, you know, we'll redeem it, we'll go to Chick-fil-A. So we get the kids, six kids in the van, me and Robert, that's eight people. We drive 30 minutes through the mountains to Lynchburg. We find Chick-fil-A, we get Chick-fil-A to go. Some people want Chipotle. We drive another 20 minutes, we get Chipotle to go. We decide, you know, there's no force on earth that's gonna keep me from watching Frozen 2 with my kids. We find a Walmart 20 minutes away, I go and buy a new DVD player. (laughs) We go back to the house. I'm a hot mess this whole time. I'm having like a panic attack for about eight hours now. I can't find anything. We finally, we go to the office. And puppy is sitting on the office. So we went and checked it and got our keys. We got past. So we get puppy. We've got a DVD player. And eventually we have this moment where there's like, there's there's kids. They've had Chick Fil A. They're watching Frozen Two. I'm sitting back. I'm eating my burrito bowl. Caroline has her puppy. Like I, we're we're gonna be okay. And, and you know, like the next day that. But instead of driving north to Lexington, we drove south to Walmart to return the DVD player. <laughs> before, which ethical? No. Was I desperate? Yes. <laughs> I will stand before the judgment seat one day, and we will deal with this. But the the point I'm trying to make, as I tell this long story, is that I got into a mode where I was saying, I'm going to go on this weekend, but I'm going to go on my terms. And I'm going to have this weekend, but I'm going to have it the way that I want to have it. And I'm going to have this experience, but I've got expectations, and they need to be met, and if they don't, I'm going to literally lose my mind, which is about what happened. And I think that's kind of how we come to our relationship with God. Like, oftentimes we're, we're, we're okay believing in God, we're okay following God, we're okay putting our faith in Jesus, but as long as we go on our terms. Like, as long as I can keep my values, as long as I can keep my habits and behaviors, as long as I can keep my theology as long as I can keep the way I think about my time and my money and my body and my future and my job, as long as I can keep all those things, as long as no one's asking me to give them up, no one's asking me to change them, then I think I'm okay. I think I can be a part of this thing. And, and what these parables are, they really are invitations. I don't want you to remember that word. We're going to talk about it each week. They're really invitations into this life of the kingdom, this life of experiencing and living under the rule and the reign of Jesus in his love and truth and mercy and justice. But these parables are going to insist that we come to Jesus on his terms and not ours. They're going to insist that it's his values that determine what life in the kingdom is like. They're his ways that determine what the kingdom is like. They're his beliefs that determine what the kingdom is like. They're his love, not ours, that determines what the kingdom is like. And so my, my sort of warning to you as we, as we come to this time of the parables is to say, Jesus is inviting you into his kingdom, but if you think that you can come to them on your terms, you're going to be, end up very frustrated, just like I was, searching for that remote. <laughs> Jesus longs to have you in his kingdom, but it's his kingdom, and it's his ways, and it's his terms. So that's, that's sort of the warning, is are we ready to come to his kingdom on his terms? Okay. So with, with that in mind, we're going to start tonight with a, with a really short parable. From Mark chapter four, we're going to spend a few weeks in Mark four. It's, it's one of the places. Matthew thirteen is another one where there's a sort of a concentration of these parables. And so we're going to look at one from Mark four, 4 verses twenty six to twenty nine, which is going to go up on your screen here. If you please read along with me. On uh, the text is on your screen. Mark four twenty six says this. And he, that's Jesus, said the kingdom of God. It's as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Let me pray, and then we'll keep going. Lord Jesus, uh, I'm grateful for the stories that you tell, and I I do pray that uh, they would hit us and impact us in a particular kind of way because we're people who live uh, in in our own story, and I pray that you would help us to see your story as ours and you as our true king. Holy Spirit, please be at work right now through your word so that we might know you and love you more and love one another. pray in Jesus' name, amen. So this this is a parable about growth. It's about how the kingdom... Grows, and, and, that, and that's important to remember. And it's an important question for us because we often want to know, if you're a Christian, we want to know, like, how do I grow? What does that mean to grow in my faith, to grow in my walk, to have a deeper walk with Jesus? What does it mean for the kingdom to grow in me, in my community, on my campus, in my country, right? And what we're going to see from this passage is that gro- the growth of the kingdom, again, we're talking about growth. The growth of the kingdom is three things. It's invisible. It's inevitable and it's instigated by God, okay? It's invisible, it's inevitable, and it's instigated by God. So first we'll see that the growth of the kingdom is invisible, and, and the, the kingdom here is compared to the scattering of the seed. The scattering of the seed. This is not the first time that you'll see seeds in the parables of the kingdom. We'll talk about more seeds and more sowing next week, okay? And this man goes to sleep, and he wakes, and the seed has sprouted, and we read in verse 27, he says he knows not how. The, the growth of this seed is imperceptible, and yet it happens. When he's looking at it, you can stare at the ground all day long after you plant a seed. You will not see anything happen, but then you come back two days later, and you see a little bit of green poking up through the earth. And I think we often come to God, I often come to God, expecting kind of big flashy signs confirming that he's here, that he's real. I want big flashy things telling me exactly what I'm supposed to do. I want, I want something big that overwhelms me with emotion so that I can know that something is really, he really does love me. And one of the things that this parable kind of affirms for us and validates for us is the reality that for most of the moments of our life, on any given moment, you can't really see God doing something. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a for instance. Uh, think of a, a, a temptation, a sin that you struggle with, that you struggle with today maybe. And I want to ask you this. Have you gotten better at resisting that temptation today than you were yesterday? Have you grown since yesterday? For most of us, we would probably say, no, I can't see any growth from yesterday, right? But think about 10 years ago. Think about when you were a child. As I think, I'm, I'm 35 years old now, as I think back to five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago in my walk with Jesus, a lot of growth has happened. A lot has changed in my life, in my heart, in the ways that I live and try to follow Jesus, even though from yesterday to today, I can't see anything. Sometimes we look around the world and we say, you know, we believe that God is everywhere, that God's at work. Like, I don't see it, right? And the good news for you and for me is that when it seems invisible, when it seems imperceptibly small, when you feel like God isn't doing anything in your life, he is. He is. He is growing the seed of his kingdom in you. Even now, you just can't see it. Because he grows it like a little seed. We know not how. The growth of the kingdom of God is invisible. You cannot see it. But even when you can't see it, it is real and it is there. I promise you, because Jesus says so. So that's the first thing, that the growth of the kingdom is, is invisible. Secondly, tonight, the growth of the kingdom is, is inevitable. It's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. There's nothing that you can do to stop it. It says the earth produces by itself, it's verse 28, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. The, the man he, he scatters the seed. He doesn't know how it happens, but but growth comes and it increases and it develops incrementally until it comes to the fullness of what God intends for it. It just happens. And when, when you add that to this invisibility of the growth, I, I want you to imagine the, the slow movement of an advancing glacier. You remember studying glaciers? Some, some glaciers, they, they move something like, you know, four feet a day. Now, if you stood there and looked at the leading face of a glacier, could you see it moving? You cannot see it moving. But you come back the next day, it's, it's moved four feet. If you leaned your shoulder against the leading face of that glacier, could you slow it down? Could you stop it? That, that's what the kingdom is like. You, you can't really see it, but you cannot stop it. It's, it's inevitable. It's unstoppable. The force of God's kingdom is not something that you or I can control. It's not something that you or I can resist. It's not something that you or I can mess up. It's not something that you or I can, can miss out on. So that means that if you are wondering if you're one of the people whose story is a story where God is doing big things, and you're nervous that you aren't one of those people... You are one of those people. God's kingdom is, is advancing. It's inevitable. It just it comes out of the ground. It grows in God's timing, in God's way, in God's direction. And you cannot stop it. And that can be scary at times, but it's actually really good news. Now, of course, there's, there's times when we wish God would hurry up and, and grow his kingdom in us a little bit more, Right? And there's other times where we feel so shaken by what God is doing in our lives that we wish he would slow down, like, God, give me a little more time. There's some ways that he's growing us one way, and we wish he would stop and grow us the other way, do something different in our lives. That's too hard. That's too painful. That's not what I expected. That's not what I wanted, right? But God is at work. It's inevitable. His work is invisible, and it's inevitable. And lastly tonight, the growth of the kingdom is it's instigated by God, we, we can relate to this man, right, in the, in the parable who's, who scatters the seed and he's unable to, to know why it grows, but it grows. But we also know that ultimately the one sowing the seeds of the kingdom is not us, right? It's not me. It's not you. It's God. And that's really, really important. It's important to know that these, these stories that Jesus tells, they are, they are for us. But we are not the main character. God is always the main character of his story. And he is actually, if you know Jesus, I know not everyone on this Zoom call is a Christian, but if you know Jesus, you are not the main character of your own story. God is. And we often ask questions about our own stories as if we were the main character, right? What does this mean for me? What am I supposed to do now? How do I know which way to go? Do I really matter? Do I really have what it takes? And the beauty of realizing that God is the instigator of his kingdom is that you don't have to have the answers to those questions. That's good news because you won't have them. You won't always know what everything means to you. And you won't always know what to do next. But you know that God is leading your life. And that's freedom. And that's purpose. And that's joy. And that's peace. The freedom from anxiety comes not when we know what to do next. It comes when we know the one who is the king, who is Jesus, who loves us, who died for us, who conquered sin and death and his resurrection for us. That's peace. And Verse 29 reminds us that all this growth is instigated by God. He, he gathers the harvest at the end. And he gathers this harvest for, for his own good purposes and his glory and for our good. That's good news of the kingdom. So, so the question becomes here as, as we come to a close, if, if the growth of the kingdom is, if it's invisible, we can't see it. If it's inevitable, we can't stop it. If it's instigated by God and not us, what are we supposed to do? Are we just passive recipients of this? Are we just kind of along for the ride? We're going to talk about that question more as the semester goes along, but what I want to say is you're, you're not a passive recipient, you're an active recipient. And by that I mean that God is doing it, but always he calls us to respond to him. Always he calls us to engage with him. Always he calls us to walk with him. And that means that we should do everything we can to make our own hearts, our own communities, fertile soil for this tending of the seed that God is doing. And so that's the question I kind of want to end on, is what can you do this semester to make your heart fertile soil, for this farm work that God is doing in the soil of your heart? What can you do? Uh, we'll talk about this as this semester unfolds, but one thing that I want to I challenge you with here on week one is to pray boldly for God's kingdom to come in your life and on this campus this semester. I, I find, I don't know if you're like me, I find that uh, when I pray, I pray mostly for stuff that I want to happen to happen. And I I think back to what Jesus says at the beginning of his ministry, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And and I had a professor once say, he said, this is very good news for us and it's very bad news for us. The good news is is that Jesus' kingdom is coming no matter what. The bad news is, is for his kingdom to come in you, your kingdom has to be dismantled. So this is actually scary news, but it is actually the way of life. It's actually the way of joy. It's actually the way of peace. And I want to challenge you to, to, to pray boldly that that, that that work would happen, that we would have open hearts to it and eyes to see, and that we would actually encourage one another for that purpose. That's the first way that we, that we seek first the kingdom of heaven. We, we pray that it would come. It's inevitable because it is the work of, of God and not you and not me. He, he's doing big things. And, and as the, at the beginning of a semester that feels uh, filled with all kinds of hopes and longings and all kinds of already disappointments and delays and knows to answer no, no answers to questions that you have, I want to tell you that the kingdom of Jesus is coming, and it's coming to do big things in you, even if you can't see it. Let me close this in prayer. Lord Jesus, I, I do pray. I pray for me and for my family and for these students that your kingdom would come among us. And that even if it's imperceptibly small and slow, and even if it's in ways that's uncomfortable and scary, that it would grow because it is the way of love and truth and mercy and justice, and that is what we want, that is what we were made for. Jesus, we praise you for bringing your kingdom. Please give us hearts to follow you into it. pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.